Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. This show is about philanthropy, entrepreneurship, positive thinking, and humanity a show that will help you make a decision when that hour is upon you. Our guests share some of their experience, expertise, and stories during their decision hour. You get to hear what they are doing today and how it might be able to help you. My guest today is is no different and is doing some great things in the Heroes community, and we'll be bringing him on here in just a few moments. First, I want to give a huge thanks to Heroes Media Group and all the great shows and sponsors of the network. To learn more about Heroes Media Group or how you can become a part of the HMG family, please go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Now grab a pen, a piece of paper, because it's that time, folks. It's your decision hour. My guest in today's episode is Mr. Ozzy Ramos. Ozzy, are you there? I'm here there, Adam. Thank you. Hey, great to have you on, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, folks, I had the, the uh, privilege of, of meeting Mr. Ramos uh, last month, I believe it was, out in D.C. Uh, for an event that we both were attending. And I got to tell you, this, this man here is a, a, a hero uh, in, the commu- in, the, in the community. He's doing some great things, and I'm really excited to, uh, to have him on the show. We're blessed to have him on the show tonight. So... Um, Ozzy, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a retired Marine. I served uh, a little over 20 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, I had a great career. Did a lot of great things uh, while I was there and uh, retired in 2005. Uh, Since then, I transitioned to uh, uh, doing my own business. Uh, When I got out, uh, I run a background investigative company called CU Clear. Uh, could be found on the web on cuclear.com. And uh, at the same time, too, I also have a nonprofit organization that is geared towards youth development and humanitarian organization. And uh, that organization is called Home of Miracles and Embraces. Uh, on the web is iwanagohome.org. Iwanagohome.org. So pretty much that's uh, for the last 10 years, 12, 11 years, that's, uh, that's what I've been doing. Um, you know, it, it, while I was in the Marine Corps or even post-service, uh, we as leaders um, still live a way of life uh, with those values, those traditions um, that are customary to us. And uh, we have a responsibility that uh, even though I do not wear the uniform, I am still a Marine and I still have a lot to contribute. Uh, to uh, communities and uh, try to do, uh, just go out and try to do good. That's absolutely amazing, sir. And, and, and thank you for, for your service and everything that, that you do. I want to piggyback uh, off of what you said a little bit. You spent a lot of time, you retired out of the Marine Corps, uh, and you retired as a, as, a, as a Chief Warrant Officer 3, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Uh, um, and when it was time for you to retire, you know, this show is called the decision hour, right? It's, it's about, you know, coming on that hour is upon you. It's time to make a decision. And, and that's when you're getting ready to retire. That's a big life change. It, it, do you remember when you were faced with, with that first decision hour that you had uh, getting ready to make that transition? Yeah, I gave it a lot of thought uh, starting about uh, mid-2003. I was eligible to retire in 2005. Uh, so I had given it um, probably about a couple of years I had to kind of really think about it. Um, during the time, I was stationed at the, uh, the oldest post in the Corps, which is the Marine Barracks 8th and I, where I was working as the program coordinator for presidential support and uh, did some great things there and, wow. and um uh, servicing um, those Marines that uh, held those uh, sensitive billets uh, and post at Camp David, the White House Communication Agency. Uh, uh, it was a security force uh, that we was in charge of. And um, so one of the things that I thought about was whether I wanted to go to work for somebody else. Did I want to still stay within the government? I definitely kind of gone 
with the type of bullet that I get, had came off of, I definitely could have gone to any of the three-letter three-letter agencies that that are out there for for the government and, and work for them. Uh, but it, I didn't want to do that. Actually, I always told I always tell everybody a story that that you know the the, the most thing that I wanted to do when I got out the Marine Corps was to let my hair grow and uh, put it into a ponytail. <laughs> and, uh, and and that never happened because I don't grow any hair on my head anymore. And stuff. But it was a great idea at the time. And, uh, you know, I always envisioned that because when I went into, before I went into the Marine Corps, I had, uh, I had hair up to uh, my, uh, a little past my shoulders. And I uh, definitely wanted to get that back, but uh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't turn out that way. So, uh, um, so I decided uh, what, what, what I did was I, I took the skill sets that I learned throughout the Marine Corps, and especially those skill sets while I was on pres- presidential support duty, which we, what we did was we, we screened thousands of Marines, uh, uh, that can go into these sensitive type of billets and so on and so forth. So it was a screening process that that uh, dealt with security clearance. It dealt with uh, the whole person concept. Uh, so we looked at uh, people's records. We looked at their prior employers, their education level, their you know the ability to um, to uh, be able to stand posts and things like that, psychological assessments. It was an array of uh, of different screen screening services that we put these uh, these young Marines through to include a a, a panel um, uh, as well uh, that consisted of not only the the administrators of the program, but it also consisted of the end users of the program, and so. We would drill these kids really hard. It was very tough, uh, uh, very tough program for these uh, young Marines to to get into. I I would probably say uh, maybe one to two percent of thousands of Marines that we would screen will end up getting selected on this program. That's how tough the program oh, is. Wow! But it's designed to be that way. Right. You know, you, you're dealing with uh, some 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 you know some really uh, high power entities there. So what I what I did was is that I actually I actually mirrored my responsibilities and uh, converted it over to the civilian side of the house, and so I then developed CU Clear. Thought of the concept, the legal name to CU Clear is Clearances Unlimited, uh, and uh, it would do business as CU Clear. And uh, so I transitioned all my all my responsibilities, uh, and uh, I actually opened up CU Clear probably about I registered CU Clear probably about a year before I even got out, and um, because I knew that that was probably something I wanted to do. Uh, the other thing was that uh, I was a CWO3, as, as you know, I retired as CWO3, but I was also eligible to get promoted to four the following year. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so I actually sent a letter uh, to, uh, to the promotion board for them not to consider me because I, I uh, had decided I really wanted to uh, get out and, uh, you know, start my new phase of life. And uh, to give my promotion to, you know, somebody else that, uh, uh, you know, below my class, uh, because everybody within my class all got promoted that following summer to CWO4. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was, it wasn't a promotion for me. I mean, I think I did a lot of things. Uh, uh, I touched a lot of lives uh, while I was in the Marine Corps. Um, it's evident by the, that, Many Marines still stay in contact with me. They, even after 12 years being uh, retired, and they still seek my advice. Uh, and uh, and I have relationships with a lot of these Marines. Sometimes I come to across Marines that they find me in a store, whatever the case may be, and they they still call me sir. And I say, hey, call me Ozzy. They say, yes, sir, not a problem. Uh, so it's kind of funny. It's just uh, respect is the way of life, yeah. and, and, and I get that. Uh, but I appreciate all of them. 
Uh, and, uh, and so now, you know, I transitioned over and uh, opened up CU Clear. And, and, you know, it was, it was a big, it was a culture shock for me. Well, let me, One is because- let, let me ask you that, Ozzy, real quick. Is, okay, so we're, we're talking now, you, you, you're retiring. And what year was that again? That was in 2005. Okay, so 2005, you retire and you open up CU, CU Clear. And uh, and and now you're you're going into business for yourself. What was what was the first thing that popped in your mind? As, oh, the first thing that popped into my mind was that I didn't have no Marines doing anything for me. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was it. It was just me. I had nobody to order around, and uh, which I never took that approach with my Marines. Right. I, I always told my Marines, "Hey, you work with me." You don't work for me. And I always, I never talked down to my Marines. I always lifted them up. Uh, My Marines, you could tell any of those young Marines that I touch. uh, Sometimes they will allow us to wear civilian clothes uh, to, you know, one day, maybe a week, maybe a Friday or every other Friday. You could tell my Marines because all my Marines were required to wear a shirt and a tie. Otherwise, I tell them, then you got to get in uniform. If you don't want to wear a shirt and tie, you got to wear your uniform. And so um, I did a lot of great things with my Marine. I spent a lot of time barbecuing. My, my, stat, my senior staff and CEOs were required to know all of my Marines, whether they were married, whether they were paying their bills on time, whether they had any kids, when was their birthdays. I wanted to know everything about my Marines. And, and that's just the type of leadership and the culture that I created wherever I landed. As it should be. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, so my biggest shock was that, you know, I didn't have anyone to support me. I had, I was the clerk. I was the boss. I was the administrator. I was, I was everything. Yeah. And, um, and of course there was a lot of things that I just didn't know. Uh, the only thing I knew that I, I just registered my business, but <clears throat> that, that was just the beginning of, uh, of years of hitting my head against the wall, the brick wall, and and, and learning uh, how is it that you do develop a business over time, and uh, so, so yeah, so that, I think that was my biggest hurdle. I, I, obviously, I you know I looked at my wife a couple of times. She said, "Don't even try it. Don't even look at me like you're going to order me around now." <laughs> and, uh, and I said, "Okay, good to go." And so, uh, so yeah, so. Yeah, I can tell you that my first, almost my first two to three years, I'm lucky. Lucky for me that I had saved up enough money that I could have paid myself uh, or supplement my retirement for about two to three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I was able to, to have that cushion that I said, well, I got a good two or three years that I got to make this job work for me. Right. This business work for me. And let me tell you, the first couple of years, it was just registering. It was trying to get certifications. It was getting the website. It was, you know, trying to get a good website. And that was a big problem. I I went through probably about four different websites uh, as well. A lot of cost involved. Everything's a cost. Everybody wants money. Uh, And it's tough when you're not making money and you're paying out money. Yep. Okay. Uh, and you know, that's part of the reason why a lot of small businesses, they also fail because, um, they don't understand that, uh, it takes a lot of money. You know, it takes money to make money and, uh, and you have to go through the fire. You got to go through the eye of the storm. And when I say go through the storm, I'm, I'm talking about a period of years. Right. Okay. That is just a whirlwind of storms that you have to somehow persevere, go through it because the sun's at the end uh, of that storm. Right. And it it actually took me probably about 
you know, it took me about a good five years to really kind of plant my foot, my feet down. Right. You know, uh, but it was a very tough time. It was a very tough time. And, uh, but Marines never quit. Well, yeah, absolutely not. Uh, you know, either that or we're going to die trying. That's yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, we're going to die trying. Uh, but, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it was a big, it was a big challenge for me. It's a very big challenge. Um, a lot of self-discipline. And, uh, then you have to go out there. You have to do the grip and grin. You got to network, you know, you got to get your, establish yourself, your reputation, people understand who you are, where you come from, what you're doing. And, and so, you know, so the whole thing with see you clear is, is providing a service. So we are background investigative, uh, service. Uh, we, uh, we do a host of screening, uh, services for people, uh, whether it's for corporate America, small business America, it could be for the state governments or the federal government, uh, and not one size fit all for everybody. Okay. Uh, I always advocate that, uh, my job is to protect CEOs from everybody else that surrounds them. Well, why is that? Because a lot of people hire people that they know, especially federal contractors. Um, there's a big misconception from people hiring people that they know. Say, hey, this guy's got a security clearance, and and they, you know, they think that they go there, and that's so far from the truth. I, I think that we got more uh, concern with for people who do have active security clearances uh, than those that don't. Uh, because, you know, when, when you die on your tombstone, the, you have a, the date that you was born and you have the date that you pass. But in between those two dates, there's a dash. And that is the most important thing of in between those two dates. The same thing as security clearances, you know, Mm -hmm. you got, uh, confidential clearances uh, that they do in a uh, reinvestigation every 15 years, a secret every 10 years, a top secret every five years. So we call that the dilemma of the dash. So what happens in between those period, those periods, um, from one clearance to another. Right. Now, keep in mind, if most people, that go out in town uh, and they get themselves in trouble and they get arrested. Most people don't come back and tell on themselves. Okay. Even though that there's a requirement for self-reporting statistics show that very little people ever tell on themselves. Why is because if I just had my secret clearance done maybe six months ago and I just got arrested two months ago, I'm still good for the next 10 years. It's a big problem that we have. So big, inte- so, big, big inte- integrity seems to be an issue. Well, uh, obviously, yes. But, you know, most people, they put their best foot forward. Um, and, and especially, so getting back to, to when we hit this big recession, uh, I was still developing CU Clear. And so there was a lot of people who lost their jobs. So people that were in these type of positions, of course, if they would get caught, they don't want to go tell on themselves because they'll lose a job. Right. And, you know, they can't feed their families, they can't pay the bills, so on and so forth. So, uh, so the whole thing with CU Clear is that we want, I believe in the old Ronald Reagan saying, trust but verify. Okay? There's too many people in today's times that they they put the best foot forward and they put the best looking resume and it's got all the right buzzwords, all the right skill set, And so you have to validate that. You should validate that as a business owner, mm-hmm. whether it's validating their education, whether it's validating their previous employers, you know, employment, um, checking out, you know, how much they got paid in the, the previous uh, job. A lot of people say, well, 
I got, you know, I was making an annual salary of a hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, and if you don't verify those things, little let you know, they was only making 45,000. You, you just offer them 120 because you want this person. You just gave them a a $60,000 pay hike. Okay. And, uh, the same thing with education. I couldn't tell you the countless of people that we have caught and see you clear with paper mill phony degrees or that they say that they just this week, I had somebody said, I graduated with an associate. Well, guess what? They didn't have an associate. They attended school, but they never got a degree. And I've seen that in, you know, for bachelor's and, and for master's degrees and so on, a lot of people, if they don't do background checks and they don't vet properly, those are the type of things that filter through. Okay. The last thing that you want is to have somebody that's going to give your company a black eye or tarnish you publicly. Right. And I've seen it happen with a lot of different companies out there. You hear about it on the news all the time. And what does it stem from? It stems from people not vetting their people. It stems from people with the misconception that a uh, government security clearance is the is golden because you hold a security clearance, you have no flaws. And that is so far from the truth. There's a lot of things that happen to us as people. We get older, we have life events, we go through divorces, we become depressed, there's mental issues, there's just there's just so many things, you know, we get, you know, we get older and our body starts to break down. And so all these factors, these are contributing factors that affect us as people and affects our lives. And, and we change every, you know, we change. Right. And uh, so when we change uh, our ability to work and our ability to do things, all those things change as well. So, um, you know, and so you have an array of those type of things. And, you know, and the other thing that a lot of people don't do is drug testing. We do drug testing. Well, why don't you drug test people? Yeah. If you are a, if you are, let's say, a teacher, okay, and you are entrusted with our most valuable jewels, which is our future. our children, you and I and everybody else send our children to school, whether it's public, whether it's private. We would like to have that assurance that the people that are entrusted with our kids don't have criminal records, don't have mental issues, don't have drug problems. And unfortunately, you know, you, there's no perpetual vetting of any school system that I know. If they do the bare minimum in the beginning, they may do a background check through the state agency or state local authorities. Yep. And guess what? You can be a teacher for the next 20, 30 years and do all types of things, and it won't come up. They would never know. You could spend an entire career doing all types of things. So we got a big problem in, 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 you know, in these, in our society. And we got to do better. I try to educate people of the do's and don'ts and the pitfalls of, uh, of not uh, screening properly and, and uh, something that we call perpetual vetting, uh, which is putting people on in some type of cyclic uh, interval, whether it's two years or three years, kind of following and mirroring federal government guidelines, but much shorter, more stringent, uh, and doing an array of things and, and setting up random, uh, setting up random background checks and setting up random drug testing, uh, drug and alcohol testing. So that way everybody has an equal chance to get selected. And so what does that do when you're in a company that has this type of standard, you develop this certain standard that does a couple of things. One, you could definitely advertise on your, on your company website that all of your, this is a drug free workplace. Our people are randomly uh, drug tests or randomly have backgrounds. 
But that also, you could put that on your resume as a company to help you get that competitive edge. Right. You go for a contract, you have one company that is is doing all these backgrounds and they, they got all these people vetted and they got the, the, the perpetual vetting going on and there's a systematic methodology going on with, with screening people and you got another company that don't do nothing at all. Who would they give the contract to? Right, yeah. Okay. And so there's there's a lot of benefits the other thing uh if you can you know if you can show insurance companies that you do all these things then it lowers your premium for workman's compensation why because your company employees are less apt to go out and do you know dumb uh, things things. you know especially if it's related to 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 drugs they're less likely to get injured on the job yeah uh, so it, it offers it, it offers a lot of things, and I spend a lot of time in educating or trying to educate people. Sometimes, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes people come to me after the fact, after they've been burned and they're walking around with a black eye. Right. And I try to put powder on the eye, and I say, "Look, I told you so." Uh, it, you know, I'm all about being proactive versus reactive. We live in a in a day and time uh, within our society, within our world, it's just there's a lot of things are changing. And, and so we have to be vigilant. Um, and I encourage all company owners, CEOs, uh, those stakeholders, that they have to do more to be more aggressive. You have to unveil the true characteristics of a person. It is your responsibility as those leaders and those investors and those stakeholders to provide a, you know, a, a safe work workplace. Right. So all you, all you listeners out there right now that are CEOs that have a business, uh, whether you're hiring or, or, or even if you're not hiring right now, this is a service that you definitely want to, uh, grab hold of. Um, and, and, and Ozzy's been explaining the, the, the true benefit uh, of it, and I think he's made it very crystal clear. I mean, you, you, it, it's if you're a, if you're a founder, you're the owner, and you're CEO, you got to protect protect your company, and and this is a great way to do it. Uh, see you clear, Ozzy. What, how do people, if they want this this service from you, how do they how do they get a hold of you for for this? Well, they could uh, definitely uh, check out our website uh, at www. Uh, C as in Charlie, U as in uniform, the word clear, C-L-E-A-R.com, the C-U-Clear.com. Or they could uh, call me directly, 540-288-7100. Awesome. Now, Ozzy, I want to I shift gears here a little bit. Um, you know, you, you got, it, you got uh, another organization uh, that you have founded, uh, actually, there's there's two other organizations, and the one that I, I really want to to highlight um, here is because you got a uh, have an event coming up here uh, within the month, actually about a, about a month away. Correct. Um, and it's it's the Americans Veterans Ball, uh, and and you have one coming up November twelfth in in New York, and Correct. I would like to talk about that. What? How did? I'm not even sure how to word the question. I'm, I'm excited about this, but how did how did this start? How did the American Veteran Ball start, and how long have you been working on this? Okay, well, in order for me to explain to you how the American Veterans Ball started, I would definitely have to just uh, um, kind of give you a quick synopsis of of uh, my nonprofit organization, which is called Home Home of Miracles and Embrace. Absolutely, please uh, do. It's, it's a 5013C uh, organization. Uh, I actually um, founded it a year after I, um, I registered CU Clear. So uh, CU Clear was uh, registered in 2005, and, and uh, Home was registered in 2006. When I went to my lawyer and I told him, hey, I wanted to open up a nonprofit. Uh, he, one, he thought I was crazy because uh, I just had opened up CU Clear. I'm already stressed out because I can't make a dollar off of CU Clear in the beginning. And now I want to open up a nonprofit home. And so <laughs> what happened was that um, I, I had, I was actually, while I was in Marine Corps, I was 
was actually the first HIV instructor for the entire Marine Corps on the Navy National Instructors team. Oh, wow. And uh, it was it was something that was near and dear to my heart. And, and so when I got out, there was a gap. Uh, there was a gap with um, with lack of organizations that were concentrating on a population of teenage at risk kids from, you know, doing prevention things for uh, prevention and awareness to uh with the target audience being uh, at-risk adolescents. And in my particular area here, um, we started seeing a a series of kids, a lot of kids that were teenagers that had acquired HIV. And they were, the problem was this, they weren't born with HIV, okay? So they had acquired HIV through having unprotected sex or having sex and so on and so forth. So we started, so when I first started home, it was a predominantly uh, HIV prevention and awareness organization. But as years went by, uh, we actually saw that this was a problem. The problem was much greater. We needed to reach kids at a much younger age because once that they're in this situation, yeah, we can help them or we can guide them to get, you know, get some proper care. But we said, we have to try to reach these kids younger. We have to plant seeds. We have to, you know, do all we can. And uh, so we shifted our mission and we shifted our focus from being that HIV prevention awareness organization to a youth causes and humanitarian organization. Okay. okay. Where we, um, try to uh, aspire academic achievement and higher education. We believe that, that if you invest, and when I say you, I mean me, you, see, you're home and I'm home. And so home, um, it actually has a, a, a deep meaning uh, because when our kids look at us, when our kids look at us, we are a sense of home for them. Uh, it's a, it's a profound meaning uh, that uh, that strengthens strengthens us and it strengthens our kids and um, and so what we want to do is put these kids on a positive pathway to social mobilization so that way they can do some great things that they are designed to do in life. So at home. We say that there's three things we want to do. We want to help sow, reap, and grow these kids. Okay. okay. All right. So, so I've done that for 11 years. I'm going to catapult this fast forward. Done that for 11 years. We got a great website. Uh, there's a there's an Aussie's journey on there. There's a personal journey of mine, and and uh, and it's all about doing good, planting good seeds, and helping kids just find their own journeys and keep them positive, keep them in school, those type of things. Okay. Okay. So the nonprofit home, it's a self-funded organization. I have taken money from profits that I make from CU clean. I dump it into my nonprofit. I've been a self-sustained organization by meaning that I've never received any grant any money from anyone on the outside, okay? Uh, for the exception of one person that gave me about $25,000 10 years ago, and that was Miss Doris Buffett, Warren Buffett's sister. Oh, yes, Doris, yes, I know. Okay. Oh, Doris yeah. Buffett yeah. gave us about $25,000 Lovely lady. 10 years ago. We did a lot of great things uh, uh, with, with, with that money. We sponsored some kids, and we did Christmas for them and things like that. Uh, did a lot of education. I mean, I personally must have educated probably over 5,000 kids in this community on HIV. Now I'm doing a lot of leadership type of education for these kids. And we also act as a conduit of funds to other organizations or individuals that are out there doing the same thing in the same manner that I'm doing things where nobody else is funding them. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been blessed to be to have been able to do this on my own. Okay, 
I've never taken out any loan up to this date for either one of my companies. Okay, whether CU Clear or whether it's home. Now, home is a nonprofit, but I treat it like a business because that's exactly what it is. That's a, yes, it is. I was just going to say. If you have a nonprofit mentality, you know, you're not. Uh, you're, you're not you going to last very long. You understand that. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and that's a good thing and, that you understand. And I want to I want, I want to jump something on here real quick. Folks, those of you that are listening that are thinking about, you know, doing a business, what Ozzy's doing, not just for one business, but for two and, and really three that he'll get into here in a, in, in a minute, but it, uh, to fund it yourself is not an easy task to do. Is not an easy task to do, and the fact that this man has been successful at it, I really hope you're taking notes because this is a lot of great information. Please continue. Well, yeah, and plus, you know, it's uh, if you look at both of my uh, both of my organizations, you'll see the type of certifications that I have: the nonprofit, the five hundred one three C. On the home side of the house, I got about six different certifications. All those certifications, they don't hand out. Those things, you go through a vigorous process. And so when you see organizations that have the proper insurance, the certifications, and those type of things, that tells you something of the person behind that organization. Absolutely. Because they don't give out these things like candy. Right. Okay? Right. Uh, and so... Catapulting over to the American Veterans Ball, which yeah. is now, so you know, I, I got two things. I, I do see you clear uh, for a living and to keep the lights on, and then I do home and American Veterans Ball as a passion. Okay. It's kind of strange. You know, I'm at a point in my life that the thing that uh, brings me the most passion that I love doing that doesn't bring me a penny, and that's another thing. Yep. I've never ever, ever have taken a penny, not one single penny from my non-profit, ever, okay? Awesome. I believe that, that we all have to be responsible to someone else. So right. let me give you a, a quick case in point and example. I have, I fund my non-profit organization. So I, I, I move money from CU Clear into home, right. never the other way around, right. never reverse. It always comes from CU Clear into home, okay? okay? Then I have a board of directors and I have members and officers in the nonprofit. And so when I want to do something and I want to spend monies uh, that is maybe five hundred or a thousand dollars greater than that, guess what I do to myself? I ask permission for my board to use my own money, mm -hmm. okay? That's when you have good accountability. I don't, the other thing is that I never, ever, ever do anything without passing it through my lawyer. If my lawyer says, Ozzy, you can't do this, then Ozzy does not do that. Very simple, it keeps me out of trouble, yep. okay? Yep. Ozzy doesn't handle the money for home. I have a bookkeeper that takes care of the money for home. And in back of the bookkeeper, we have an accountant that oversees the bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. So it's just accountability over accountability. And so that's why, that's part of the reasons why we've done so well. It's just transparency and doing the right thing. So at home, we have a saying at home, matter of fact, uh, we say, you know, uh, it's doing the right things for the right reasons, even when no one else is looking. And that's the type of seed that we want to invoke into a lot of these kids, that when they're by themselves and they look around, they have the opportunity to do something, even if they're not, no one's looking, that they do the right thing and they make the right decision. Okay, and that's what we're all about. So, catapulting once again into the American Veterans Board, how that actually got created was back in November 11, 11 of uh, 2014. We, I went to Applebee's in Stafford, Virginia, where Applebee, uh, they offer a free lunch for veterans. Mm -hmm. And so... So I went, there was a group of veterans that invited me, uh, the NAACP 
uh, invited me as well. Uh, they always do something and, and they kind of eat together. And there's a lot of veterans there. So I went. And, um, and so we're sitting around and, at the table and we're ordering and we're just having a good time among retirees and also uh, around veterans who are not retirees, but they serve and they separate from the military. All different, uh, all different branches of service are represented at this table. And uh, so we started reminiscing about the Marine Corps Balls, something that was near and dear to my heart, which I look forward to attending every year. I, in 20 years, I never missed not one ball, uh, partly because it was mandatory. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was, even if it wasn't mandatory, I would have still gone. And it was something that... I think as service, as Marines uh, in particular, like I just talk about the Marine Corps, that sometimes, like I said, they, you know, it's pretty much mandatory. They don't technically say that it's mandatory, but if you don't go, then you, you know, you'll have duty or something like that. So <laughs> you're better off going and spending the money. Uh, but it was it, the Marine Corps ball is something very special. It, it just—it's a spirit. It's a, something magical that happens. Uh, is the proudness that takes place. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it encompasses honor, courage, commitment, it, all those nice buzzwords. And so I always look forward to that. And so we was reminiscing, there was a few Marines at the table, we were reminiscing about the ball. And uh, so one of the common denominators that came up during this conversation was that once we uh, transitioned out of the Marine Corps, I could tell you that I personally have never been invited again to a Marine Corps ball. I've never been sent an invitation from headquarters Marine Corps, from a retirement, from the retirement branch, from nobody. And this is something that is near and dear to my heart. Not only that, but I look around the table and there's a bunch of veteran leaders who are still doing things in their communities, still acting the part, not wearing the uniform, but still displaying that leadership and those values and those traditions. We're still out here and we're still alive and we have a lot to offer. And so one of the retired gunnery sergeants said, hey, Ozzy, he said, don't you have a nonprofit for kids? And I said, yes. I got a nonprofit for kids. He says, well, why don't we do an event? Why don't we do an American Veterans Ball event? And why don't we give the proceeds to your organization? I said, well, I really don't know if I could do that because I got a nonprofit for kids, but it has nothing to do with veterans. I said, I don't know if I'm legally, if I could legally do this or not. And so I said, well, let me talk to my lawyer and find out. And I went to my lawyer and I said, well, listen, this is what we... You know, this is what happened. I went to, we had lunch, and these were some thoughts, and I wanted to see if there's a way that we can do some type of event. And we looked at the bylaws and everything. We had to make a couple of changes, minor changes, and send some paperwork in to get it approved. And, you know, he came back and said, hey, you're good to go. You get, now the key is this with the American Veterans Board and home. How do we connect the two? Well, we have to always connect whatever we do with kids, with adolescents, with our youth, because that's what my organization is all about. Okay. So one of the things that I thought about was, well, we can bridge a gap and connect the American Veterans Board to, let's say, for example, junior ROTC programs. That's a great bridge and a great connection. You've got the future leaders of America already showing some type of interest that they want to join some military. Not all of them are going into the military, but at least they're already expressing an interest by the mere fact that they are in an ROTC program in school. Okay? And so we started looking at some other things, you know, uh, looking at youth group organizations, other educational organizations, you know, uh, religious youth groups, uh, those communities that are, that, that are sowing those good seeds into those kids 
This is exactly what we were looking for, what I personally was looking for. And that's when I started thinking, well, we could be the conduit to fund these different programs and to bless these kids. And that way they, I'm a firm believer, and Miss Doris Buffett taught me this. She said, Ozzy, don't ever reinvent the wheel. And I've always, I've always listened to her. She said, if there's an organization already doing what you want to do, then look for the good in them and support them. And I said, fantastic. Not only that, so, so the goal of the American Veterans Board now, okay, is to connect our past and present military veterans to uh, the next generational and future leaders of America, which is our youth. And so we are passing the torch as leaders down to the younger generation. And so that is the connection to kids. Now, we're also going to now, we're also going to be sponsoring um, different camp initiatives. We're actually talking about uh, also creating a, a specific camp for military-dependent children. Oh, nice. Very well, nice. why only specific? I mean, we, we're going to support other camps, too. Right. Okay? Right. But we, there's a gap and there's a need, and we've already identified it. Well, let's talk about military kids, dependent kids. As you well know, military members, veterans, families, they, uh, they have to uproot and move every four or five years to a new duty station. Yep. Sometimes it's cross-country, sometimes it's overseas. The bottom line is that you got to uproot and you have to move somewhere else. Yeah. Now, those relationships that those kids already have developed with their friends and their school, and they don't want to move, they don't want to be displaced and move, have to move somewhere else. And so what happens? They have to still go, and guess what? They, are, they become withdrawn, they feel displaced, some become depressed, and some start rebelling. So they get to a new location, they, you know, they find themselves in the worst company, they, you know, they get attracted to the wrong crowd, and guess what happens? They start to spiral downwards. They could get into drugs. They could get into alcohol. They could get into having sex. They could get into all types of trouble. Okay? Well, why? The other factor is this. As you well know, for the most part, it takes some, for the most part, it takes two incomes to run a household, which means is that mom has to work and dad's working. And if they're not home, what happens during the summertime? when they're not supervised and you can't afford a babysitter, okay? Well, guess what? Kids get into trouble, yep. okay, yep. when they're left alone. Mm -hmm. Now, couple that factor with a service member being forward deployed, going overseas to go fight a war. Now you got the kid even worrying about more stuff. Yeah. Okay? And this works the same thing for, for boys as it does for girls. Right. It affects them the same way, okay? Sometimes you got dual parents, veterans, that are both forward deployed. Right. They try not to do that, of course, but it happens uh, every now and then. What happens if a service member doesn't come back home? So now you got, so a lot of these military-dependent children, they, they are disconnected. And so we created what's called Camp Connected. Okay. And this is going to be our military-dependent camp. Uh, where we could bring other military-dependent children that can connect with one another. They have the same type of background, share the same type of experiences, can relate to one another, and they could at least make new connections, even if it's just for a weekend camp or a week-long camp. So uh, right now... Uh, we are negotiating with Camp Holiday Trails out in Charlottesville, Virginia, and to see if they could create a specific camp for military-dependent children. Um, as far as I know, there's not no military-dependent children camp. Right. Uh, 
I, I, I know there's not one here in Virginia. I don't think there's one in the country. Uh, so there is a gap. And so we want to fill the hole and fill the gap. And the proceeds from the American Veterans Ball helps these camps. Okay, so let, I'm glad you asked that question. So let me give you the breakdown of the proceeds. So 25% of the proceeds is going to go to an individual veteran in need okay. or a veteran outreach service program doing good work out in the community who are not who is not otherwise being funded by someone else. Okay. Okay. All right. You got a lot of military people just like me who are self-funded. A lot of us do this stuff in the heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they don't look, they try to get funding and they don't, you know, they don't, they just don't have the resources. They don't have the manpower to attract somebody to give them funding. Right. That's the person that I want to find. The person that nobody else wants to fund, but still is out there doing good work. Doing the, doing the work. Nice. Doing the work, okay, out of their heart. That's the person, that's the human interest story that I'm interested in. Folks, it, those of you that are listening to this right now, you're, already, you're listening to a podcast, you're, you're online, open up another browser. I want you to go to this website right now. Go to www.americanveteransball.com. Org, O-R-G, uh, and you and you got to check this out because Ozzy, we're we're running short of time here. We got about two more minutes here, but I, I want to make sure we get this information out be, uh, here. But the American Veterans Ball, it's coming up November twelfth. It's in uh, it's at the Green Tree Country Club in New Rochelle, New York. Um, but this isn't the only ball. The only this, this isn't the only American Veterans Ball that you guys are having this year. That is correct. Uh, we're having one here in uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, on November nineteenth, and another one in Charlotte, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's going to be May sixth of twenty seventeen. Let me just quickly run down the the rest of this uh, 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 proceed breakdown uh, okay. be, before we cut off because I think it's important. So twenty five percent is going to individual veteran in need or a veteran outreach service program. The other 25% is going to a community junior ROTC program and or another um, uh, a youth education uh, youth educational program. 25% will go to the military dependent uh, camp uh, camp connected and other youth camp initiative. And the remaining 25% will go towards administrative fees and also reinvesting that money back for future American veterans, boy. So there goes your 100% breakdown. Uh, uh, Ozzy, you are a, tr a true, uh, you're a gentleman, you're a scholar, and a, and a true community hero. Uh, and 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 that's that, that putting that mildly. Uh, I I am truly truly blessed that that we have crossed paths, and uh, we have a very uh, mutual friend. Uh, that is going to be speaking at your ball uh, here, November twelfth. The co-founder uh, of the Heroes Alliance, or founder of the Heroes Alliance Network, co-founder of the Heroes Media Group, and, and a very uh, close friend of mine and, and mentor uh, of, of mine is uh, Mr. Sam Cachola. And, uh, and we're looking forward to this. And 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 Ozzy, any closing or any parting words uh, that you want to tell our listeners today? Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the entire connection in between service veterans and those that have served, whether they're past or present, we have a responsibility uh, to pass on the torch to our uh, future generation of uh, leaders of America. We live in some troubled times. We need to ensure that these kids stay true to the red, white, and blue and to keep them patriotic. Um, I think it's a very, very important thing to do. We just want to do good. We want to make a difference. Uh, it, it's all about being connected. Uh, connected comes from uh, my nephew, Louis Brigado, who, who created Connected, and uh, his, uh, his sense uh, and philosophy is that in some way, shape, or form, we are all connected to each other, and we have to do this for the greater good. Amen. And that's my I, I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the opportunity, and um, I hope everybody could come out and check out the website. If you're in the New York area, come see the board. If you're in the Virginia area, definitely come out. Or if you're in North Carolina, I will. Last but not least, I would go with the American Veterans Board. Is that we would like to see an American Veterans Board 
conducted in every state within the United States within the next 10 years. So lastly, the, the, the breakdown of these, uh, of these percentages goes right back to the community and the state in which we do it in. Awesome. We don't, we don't take the money from New York and bring it to Virginia. No. We leave it right there where it's at. Awesome. Okay? Ozzy, thank you so much for taking time and and being on the show with us today. And uh, I, I look forward to to uh, obviously seeing you here really soon. Um, and and uh, you know, Heroes Media Group is is, is going to be a part uh, partnering up with the American Veterans Ball. And uh, so, a- anytime you guys want to know what's going on with the American Veterans Ball, check out their website as well as you'll see their stuff uh, here very shortly on uh, Heroes Media Group website uh, and all of our social media stuff. So, Ozzy, thanks again. Thank you so much, Adam. We appreciate your support, and, and uh, have a blessed day. Thank you. Folks, that was Mr. Ozzy Ramos, United States Marine Corps veteran, uh, founder of CU Clear, um, and uh, uh, Home uh, Miracles and Embraces, and the founder of the American Veterans Ball. Uh, first one's coming up November 12th, so if you're in the New York area, be sure to check it out. It's going to be at the Green Tree Country Club in New Rochelle, New York, November 12th, 2016. The next one is going to be uh, November 19th down in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and then in 2017, they got a bunch more that are coming up. The uh, one in May of 2017 will be in North Carolina. Folks, I am out of time. What a gr- It's great to be behind the mic. i got to give a big shout-out to the network here Media Group. Uh, appreciate all the stuff and love and support that they do. All the shows that are involved. Check out Heroes Media Group by going to www.heroesmediagroup.com and check out all the shows. Until next time, folks, I'm Adam. We'll see you next time. <laughs>